0: a comic book podcast. I am your host, George, and today we are returning to the world of Young Avengers. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, first off for the show, if you found this podcast, that's extremely cool. It's a really big internet and we're a really small show, so that's fantastic. If you could share this show with people who you think would like it, if you could leave a review or a rating or anything on your podcast service just to let people know that you dig this show, we would be most appreciative of that that is how the show grows. That is how we get cool guests. And then that is how I can quit my job and do this full time, which would be so cool. God, it would be so cool. Austin, I hate to spoil that you're going to be on the podcast today, but wouldn't that be so cool?
1: That would be so cool, George. That's be so, so cool. cool. That, would, that would be like living the dream. <laughs> the actual dream. That voice you're hearing is special guest for today. My
0: wonderful co-host from Frameskip. We got Austin Eller in here to talk about Young
1: Avengers.
0: How's it going Austin? That's
1: right. That's right George. I am I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk more about Young Avengers. Of course we recorded that last episode many moons ago, but it's out there and I was on that one too and can't wait to talk more about Young Avengers because I adore adore this this run so much. <laughs> Me too. I think
0: I talked about it on the previous episode, but like you said, that was many moons ago. Feels like years, feels like decades since the first time we talked about Young Avengers. But man, I remember like picking this up off the stands, just being like, this is so cool. This is so fresh and new and invigorating to see like these kids just disagree with the politics of like the older superheroes, just being like, no, you guys are doing it wrong. Like, we can do it better. And goddamn, was it just so refreshing to see? And I miss this book. I miss these characters being yeah. like this. I'm I'm happy that they've all moved on to like do their own more adult things that they're doing now.
1: But God, right. this book was so special when it was coming out. Yeah. And it's, it's really, you know, you're more of a comic reader than I am. Certainly I'm, I'm, I've barely kind of dipped my foot into the water, but, um, the thing that I really appreciate about the entire run now that we can kind of talk about the the entire, I guess, 12 issues, uh, plus the special is it's honestly, it's pretty condensed, 12 mm-hmm. issues. I don't know how common that is to have like a book of that size, but um, it feels so condensed yet so like, um, I don't know what the word is, fulfilling plot wise. Like there is so much crammed into, into those 12 issues and, you know, it has a start and it has a finish and it works so well. I mean, it to me, there's not a single single issue of this book that I feel like, you know, stumbles or plot wise has some issues. I feel like the whole thing just comes together and it's, it's wonderful. That's
0: a good point. Like they kind of sold it as like an ongoing, like they made it seem like this one was going to go on until it got canceled and then just ended at issue 12. And it's like, Oh, so you just kind of had this, like it's, it feels like an HBO miniseries as opposed to like a full order. sitcom Or something. And man is, if that's the way to go, that might be the way to go like i love reading monthly books but like you're right this is just such a focused like deliberate intentional piece of narrative storytelling that i, I probably would be watered down and probably would have like issues to skip if it were like an ongoing that had lasted like 35 or 40 or god forbid even 100 issues
1: right right yeah, and you know it. It does pick up later on. You've got like the Children's Crusade and all that, but for the most part, as as a as a book, I I love this this run um, mm-hmm. as a whole. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I agree. Are you ready to jump into it? I am. Let's do it. All
0: right. So we're <laughs> gonna pick up with a Young Avengers issue seven. This came out September twenty eighth two thousand five. This is. Um, Immediately after they sort of dealt with Iron Lad and Kang and all that fun stuff that uh that they <laughs> brought the Young Avengers together, really. All right, we're okay. gonna jump into issue seven of Young Avengers. This came out September twenty-eighth, two thousand five. This picks up immediately after issue six, where Young Avengers were dealing with Iron Lad and Kang, and we actually covered that. Um, In an episode called Child's Play, that was episode nine of this podcast. So if you want, you can go back and see the origin of the Young Avengers. Let's get in. Uh, This story is written by Alan Heimberg and with art by Andrea DeVito. Incredulous that the Young Avengers are still operating after Captain America told them to stop. The New Avengers begin devising a plan to shut them down for good but Luke Cage is apprehensive about stopping Patriot, a young black hero in particular at Billy Kaplan, AKA Wiccan's house. Teddy, AKA Hulkling shows up and pressures Billy into telling his parents that he's part of the young Avengers. But just as he's about to, his parents say they know and tell Billy that they know he's gay and in a relationship with Teddy, which is incredible. Dude, what a moment. <laughs> this was
1: okay. We just already stopped. That was like the biggest plot twist ever. For me, when I was first reading this back a couple of years ago, I was like, "Okay, yeah, he's he's going to tell him he's a superhero." It was like, "Oh my god, wow!" They're like really going for it immediately. I was I I thought it was incredible. I I love the way that this was written because it it just it wasn't something I was expecting, but it was fantastic the way that everything kind of worked out. Um, mm-hmm. Just absolute total plot twist for me. It was very well done yeah i
0: i love that moment i love that moment so much especially just because uh billy's parents are so liberal confident like everything yes. you think about like suburban yes. people like living in the city yes and just oh man thinking they know their kids and like they do know their kids but god it was it was just such a fun i guess twist i think you're right i think that is like the right term for it
1: yeah because i think maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I might be incorrect, but I don't think they really referenced their relationship in the first six issues. I, I can't recall if they really said that they were gay they were or, or anything of that sort. Yeah. I, I don't think that they did, which was why it, it, I remember it, being shocked by it, but I could be wrong. It wasn't overt. Like it
0: wasn't like them. Yeah. There was never like a panel of them like making out, but it was like right. implied with the dialogue, but it was super subtle. Yeah. And then, yeah, just cats out of the bag here immediately. And I don't know, it's nice. I don't know, it's nice seeing, like, a relationship be supported. <laughs> just any relationship. Yes. Yes. Over at Cassie's, a.k.a. Statue's house, her mom and stepdad are doing their best to convince themselves that the blonde young Avenger isn't their daughter. Elijah, a.k.a. Patriot, is lying to his grandmother about what he's doing at night. And on his way out, his grandfather, a surviving test subject of the serum that would go on to create Captain America... Holds a newspaper in his lap and gives his grandson a knowing smile. At Avengers Tower, Cap, Iron Man, and Jessica Jones discover that while Vision is physically identical to their friend that died in Avengers Disassembled, covered on episode one of this podcast, he has none of the experiences and is basically just a superpowered teenager. All the kids gathered to discuss their next move, but they can't find Elijah, who's prowling around a warehouse after spotting a drug deal but he's found and falls through a window into the lab below. Billy casts a spell that locates her friend. The leader of this operation reveals himself to be Mr. Hyde, an incredibly lame villain who was a scientist (laughs) inspired by the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Jessica approaches Cassie's mom. Cap approaches Elijah's grandparents and the young Avengers find the drug operation that Mr. Hyde is running. After a quick scuffle, Elijah manages to break away towards the back where Billy catches him shooting up MGH—that is, mutant growth hormone, a drug in the Marvel universe that gives normal people enhanced strength and stamina. Whoo, whoo! Yeah. Opening
1: chapter for the second arc. What, what a banger! Yeah. Now, and that's like to me that again—that was a moment I wasn't expecting either. I mean, I I just kind of rolled with uh, you know he he had the blood transfusion from his his grandfather and that's why he has powers. And, um, you know, it just really, really set that up nicely. And it sets up the rest of this whole run nicely, as far as kind of, um, coming to terms with who you are as an individual. I think that's kind of the, the overall theme of of the rest of this, you know, six issues and, uh, just a fantastic way to kick it off. Uh, I, I do agree with you though, that villain, Mr. Hyde, terrible. That <laughs> oh, dude sucks. That dude sucks. Is he in anything else?
0: No, he's usually just like a villain to have a name, as opposed to like having just okay. like you know, like hand foot soldiers or aim foot soldiers. You know what I mean? I like see. he's like yeah. a step above unnamed security guard, but like a step below <laughs> like C tier. I'd say. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's that great. But it is good because it's just like, oh, this is someone the young Avengers might be able to handle, right? Like them going up against doom. It's like, Oh, uh, doom would wipe the floors of them. But this guy's like, yeah, I mean, maybe it's like in Batman when like you fight firefly instead of the Joker, yes. you get a, like a better yeah. chance. It's like a, a Robin right. or something.
1: Yeah. Um, just really interesting overall. I, I think the, the stuff with um, vision uh, is, is fascinating to me with, with young Avengers. I, I like how he's, a new character, but he's still in a way is vision. I, I, I like the, mm-hmm. the kind of change that they, they make, you know, for him plot wise. So I do too. Yeah. And it was nice. Cause like,
0: this was probably like a year or two, like without vision in the comics. And that just feels right. like weird. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's really nice to have him back and it's nice to have him back in a different way. I want to talk a second about uh, Patriot that you brought up. Yes. I can't really think of a lot of examples where like, a book lied to you right because like you said he told i think cap in like issue five or something yeah of of the series that like he he got his powers from his grandfather because he had a like an emergency blood transfusion and you know shared the serum with him and uh that we were just like oh shit that's cool that's that's like how she hulk became she hulk you know she got a a blood transfusion from hulk like oh this is happening again cool and then guy. just to
1: find out he lied the entire time. <laughs> I was gonna say, wasn't it? I might be wrong, but Captain Marvel was her powers were the same too, right? Or it was something to that sort where she got something from Marvel. Yeah, he was. Or am I mistaken?
0: Yeah, I think he was in a, a chair or something, and she went up to try to release him, and then they got bolted by like a, a th- energy okay. beam or something. That was quite the same. Yeah, I'm not super familiar, but like it is like you know, sort of like passing on powers. Yeah, so it's very, very similar in that regard. But man, just the idea of like a main character lying to you and like you not knowing because you know, yeah. why would why wouldn't you take them at face value,
1: right? And drugs, like of all things, like that that you know that's a it's a really interesting way to go about it, because um, you know it's like uh, you know you kind of feel for the guy in a way. Um, his grandfather is this this you know superhuman essentially and and uh, super soldier. And he he doesn't have powers and he sees his friends that are out here fighting like this and, and wants to be like everybody else. And it's it's fascinating. It's a really heartfelt kind of moment. It's a sad moment, but it, it is, you know, like I said, you kind of feel for him. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, this was like right after like the the baseball steroid era, too, right? Like yes. this was this is like post Mark McGuire, post Barry Bonds. And so right. I think there's like more of a negative connotation. I, I don't know how much mutant growth hormone really comes up in Marvel comics today. But like back in back in the mid 2000s, it was such a big deal. Like it was like as bad as any sort of like illicit drug as like cocaine or or heroin or or anything. Wow. Um, but I have no idea how, how much it's being port- like how poorly it's being portrayed today. So. Right. Right. Whew. All right. You ready for issue eight? I am. All right. Issue eight (laughs) came out October 26, 2005, written by Alan Heinberg, with art again by Andrea DeVito. Uh, It doesn't take long for Billy to realize the truth that Elijah never had powers at all and was using MGH to be strong enough to keep up with the other young Avengers. Mr. Hyde is fighting the rest of the team who seem to be doing all right until he injects himself with MGH and gets a boost Eli's grandmother confirms to Cap that he had no superpowers, and Jessica reveals to Cassie's mom that she probably got her powers from repeated exposure to Pym particles while visiting her dad, Scott Lang, the Ant-Man, who died during Avengers Disassembled. Again, see episode one of this podcast uh, for more details on that story. Jess sees Kate Bishop, the new Hawkeye, injured and being held hostage by Mr. Hyde on TV and books it toward the warehouse. Billy uses his magic to save her from Hyde's hold, and a major—sorry, and a majorly roided uh, out patriot starts kicking <laughs> the shit out of him. Jeez. Just when it seems like Elijah is about to lose, he grabs more MGH. Except instead of injecting himself, he injects Hyde, who passes out from overdosing. <laughs> so, timeout. <laughs> um. <laughs> how does how does this sit with you because that this this made me uncomfortable I'm not gonna lie
1: <laughs> yeah no it's a it's kind of a weird weirdly written moment i I agree with that um I guess it makes sense like the way they wrote it makes sense but also at the same time it's like a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think
0: I was losing myself in my script there for a second so I just want to like repeat like Elijah. Patriot is super, super roided out right now on MGH and he starts fighting Hyde, who is also roided out on MGH. And instead of there being like a big knockdown brawl, Elijah grabs more MGH thinking he's going to like go Super Saiyan 2 or something. Or the audience is thinking he's going to go Super Saiyan 2. And instead injects it into Hyde to knock his ass out. Like he basically causes him to overdose and pass out. Which, whew. It's a lot. It's like it's a lot yeah. for a kid to do yeah. that and it's a lot for it them is. to just move on so
1: quickly after. <laughs> yeah, cuz they're like, "All right, here you go. Overdose. All right, move on." Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fucking
0: insane. Um yes. the new Avengers show up telling the kids to stop, but Elijah is not having any of it. He's egging Cap on, trying to start a fight. He doesn't think Cap wants As he walks away, Billy uses his magic to knock him out. He comes to an Avengers tower being watched by Vision, who retains the memories and personality of Iron Lad, the dude who brought all the young Avengers together in the first place. He goes out to see his friends and the new Avengers, admits that he never had powers, and he's been uh, lying to everyone this whole time, and they don't have to worry because he quits being a hero.
1: So... Oddly enough, you know, listening back to this again and, 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 you know, having read through it, I get like major Falcon and Winter Soldier vibes because of some of how they portray Falcon's um, relationship with the super soldier serum in that show. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought about that when I, when I was, you know, watching Falcon and Winter Soldier for the first time and reading this for the first time. But um, really interesting the way that they kind of go from, okay, this guy is is using it, using the MGH to to be a young Avenger to, you know, now because it's out there, I, I feel like I can't be an Avenger anymore. I, I think there's some major kind of comparison there with, with Sam Wilson and Falcon and Winter Soldier because they they make that kind of repeated effort to say, can can he or can he not be a hero with or without the super soldier serum? I think it's really a really interesting plot um, kind of device the the drug itself or in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier's case the serum itself. Man, yeah, that is that's a really interesting point. I like that a lot.
0: Is um <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Did did anything else stick out to you from this issue? Uh, like the one part that I really enjoyed was seeing vision and Patriot hit it off so much just because he is like a a copy of iron lad. And it was nice, like seeing him get his friend back, but still be kind of weirded out because it wasn't his friend, but it was a lot like most of his friend. It was very confusing, very, very comic book and dumb, but also very interesting because of
1: that. Right. No, I like that too. Um, And that kind of goes back to what I was saying with vision earlier. i I like that. they, they, they've recreated vision but now it's also kind of iron lad so the young avengers in particular you know they've got really a special connection with him um and it's interesting because i think they i don't remember if they talk about it in this issue or if it's the next one but they kind of mention how vision's in kind of in, in um like a holding pattern while they try and figure out you know are you okay like Mm-hmm. brainwave wise like are you gonna screw with us or are you like actually a decent guy this time like what's what's right. kind of the 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 outcome so some some interesting stuff and i i love that conversation with him and and uh uh patriot uh yeah um
0: really really interesting stuff just because again like we have no idea is he compromised by kang is he still compromised by ultron which is why you know vision died in the first place Back in Avengers Disassembled, and so the fact that like no one really seems ready to trust him, at least none of the adult Avengers seem ready to trust him. I think is, is it's a really good job of like setting up a domino to knock over, right? Like yes, yes. <clears throat> I think we know what's going to happen with with this version of Vision, but just the fact that like it's it's so deliberate, I think is what I really appreciate about it. Right, and they're actually treating him like a teenager, ostensibly, which is thematically perfect. Yeah, I know. There's <laughs> even
1: a line in there that's something like, "Yeah, he's he's got Iron Lad's like personality or whatever, but he doesn't have visions, me- visions, memories. So it, essentially, he's a kid." Like they say mm-hmm. something to that effect, and I thought that was kind of neat, a neat little reference. <laughs> All right, that was the sidekick arc of.
0: Young Avengers, we are moving on to Issue 9. This came out November 23rd, 2005, written by Alan Heimberg, with art by Jim Cheung. It seems like the entire world has moved on from the Young Avengers. Cap announces their disbandment, Elijah assures his grandmother that's all behind him, and the rest of them are basically in the same boat. They don't want to do it without Eli, which is why they ambush him on the steps of the New York Public Library. Eli doesn't seem convinced, and suddenly it doesn't matter at all, because the Super Skrull, one of the Fantastic Four's oldest and most dangerous adversaries, grabs Teddy and promises to take him home to the Skrull Empire. A fight breaks out that forces the young Avengers into action. Despite breaking up and risking their private personas, the Super Skrull manages to hold off the kids and uses his power of hypnosis on Billy, prompting Teddy to surrender. But really, he just uses his super strength to knock his ass out. The kids escape through a nearby subway station and make their way back to Teddy's house, where his mother, who may or not be a Skrull, is waiting for them, along with Billy's parents. Super Skrull shows up with Eli as a hostage and uses some sort of ray to prove that Teddy is a Skrull, but actually reveals that his mother has been a Skrull this whole time. Super Skrull calls her a traitor, and she says, The Empress ordered me to protect him, even from the likes of you. Super Scroll uses his fire abilities to torch Teddy's mom and in the confusion and chaos escapes from the scene with Teddy. Now you were a big fantastic for forehead, right? Yes. I, don't know how to say that, I was a forehead. Yes. You, were, you were a big fantastic, fantastic forehead. forehead. <laughs> God. Um so you were familiar with the Super Scroll,
1: right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so when he shows up in this issue, dude, I love the Super Scroll as a as a villain he's wonderful um just because of the the way his powers work and it's man i I will never forget reading this for the first time and just going what what in the world like as the super scroll shows up in this this comic i wasn't expecting it at all and um you know you immediately get that tease of who teddy is and I think that's my favorite thing about this series overall is the slow burn on, okay, mm-hmm. here's this person's powers. Here's how this person's related to the Avengers. Here's where this comes from. And they, they set it up way early. They throw the ball way early in the series. I think it's issue two or three. They mention the, um, the I forget the exact terminology, but it's like the Avengers. It's like the Young Avengers Initiative or something. Right? Yeah, like, something the the like Young that. The Young Avengers but- Protocol. But uh, I think it's Iron Lad at the time. He says something about how it's all people who are somehow related to the Avengers. And so for the next, you know, nine, ten issues, you're kind of trying to figure out how and who these people are and and how they're related to the Avengers. And um, it's just the slow burn on that. The reveals are phenomenal. And this specific issue, again, it was a moment. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just stupid, George. But the, the scroll reveal was not something I was expecting with, with Teddy. Like, I just never saw that coming.
0: Um, I wasn't I was either. Really... I th- yeah, I wasn't either. I think they purposely called him like Hulkling to think that he was connected to the Hulk, right? right? And then you're right. like, oh, wait, he can, but he can shift shape. Like, that's kind of weird, but like, it seems like his default shape is green and bulky. Right. Right. And so it's like, maybe it's like a Hulk villain from the future like you know just like trying to figure out like what it could possibly mean and then it just feels like such a 180 but it's like oh shit like i thought this wasn't going to make any sense at all but instead this makes perfect sense the way they set it up here right and And the reveals aren't
1: over with him either i mean it, it gets better which i'm not gonna spoil it for the next issue or whatever it is but it just his backstory is the best in the in the run i i feel like personally yeah so but what were you gonna say sorry george uh, you're fine. You're
0: fine. Uh, but just like you're right. Like when as soon as they, like they mentioned like oh, and everyone here has a connection. It's like okay, Cassie is Ant Man solder. That's pretty fucking obvious. Elijah, his grandfather is the original Cab. Okay, and then like you're literally just waiting for the other shoes to drop, right? Like you're sitting there being like, okay, when when are we gonna get there? When are we gonna get there? And uh, God, this was such an exciting reveal. And this was, I think, like one of my first exposures to like scrolls and in, in a context without the Fantastic Four right right which is really interesting because it, like it feels like reed is always like incredibly smart and uses his smarts specifically to overcome super scroll right but these are just like fucking teenagers it's like <laughs> without like a you know a rocket surgeon level brain of, of reed richards it's like he actually seems like an imposing threat
1: yeah it, it um it's it's interesting the way he's portrayed and Man, one thing I will say, too, by the way, his design is fantastic. Like, I I, I just love the way that character's designed. Austin,
0: we're going to... It's, comics are weird and stupid. Because, like, issue nine <laughs> of Avengers came out November 23rd. Young Avengers special came out December 28th of 2005. And it feels like the story definitely takes place before issue nine. But because of publishing order, we, we're going with this. Uh, yeah. Young Avengers special is a mini anthology, I guess, just like sharing more backstory on on each of the characters. And there's just a whole bunch of like four to I'd say like six page stories by pretty talented comic teams. Uh, the story was written by Alan Heinberg, and uh, bear with me. This is like a lot of artists, but a lot of people worked and they deserve credit. Uh, with art by Michael Gatos, Jose. Uh Via Rubia, Neil Adams, Justin Poncer, Gene Ha, Art Leon, uh Jay Lee, Jun, uh, sorry, Jun Chung, Bill Sinkovich, Pasqual Ferry, Doug McKeg. Whew, that is a lot of people. But it was so cool getting an exercise issue talking about these characters, talking about their origins, talking about their family, talking about what their life was like before they ever put on the tights. And really it's it's not quite like an origin story, but I guess it's more like a motivation story for these characters.
1: It's really, it's really fascinating. And I know we're going to get to the plot, but the, the thing I will say, you talked about the, the artists. I love the way that, um, I guess I, I should have gone back and reread it, but I I believe it's when it goes from each character, it switches artists. I might be wrong, but, um, I, I liked how that was set up as well. It's, it's interesting and and, like you said, the overall plot it was just kind of a side story, but it gives you more into their characters and who they are as people
0: Mhm uh so basically, um, this story takes place like immediately after the Mr. Hyde incident, and Cat Farrell, who is a reporter at The Daily Bugle. We talked about her a bunch on episodes like called like about the pulse um wants to get like the story, and uh Jessica Jones, since she knows the the young Avenger she is using her to sort of get the story. And so Jessica meets up with all of the young Avengers that, that are, you know, taking calls at this point and uh, trying to figure out why or why not <laughs> they should, uh, the Sylvia Avengers. And so like the first story we see is Cassie, who's trying to like talk to Iron Man to figure out like what exactly happened to her dad, Scott. And then her piece of shit stepdad shows up. Uh, and it's just really awkward. Like it feels really heartbreaking to see like, you know, the Cassie that you knew as, like, a a super child, like, on on Young Avengers Volume 3 from only a few years earlier, just, like, she gets flat-out slapped by her mom, like, in the lobby to Stark Tower, and then a whole bunch of... uh, Her her stepdad is a police officer, and then a whole bunch of his, like, cohorts, like, show up, and it's really, like, awkward and, like, threatening and, like, kind of scary just to be like, why are these three people here to tell me what to do?
1: Well, and it's also, like not that long after her dad died. So it's, it's just a horrendous situation overall. And I feel like the, the characters around her, I mean, her mom and stepdad specifically, they, they kind of seem like heartless people in this moment. Like they're just not really winning her over. That's for sure. (laughs) No, no, they're not. Uh, She plans to run away
0: and then she turns on the TV one night and sees the young Avengers. And so instead of running away, that's the night she goes to Avengers mansion and meets up with a team yeah look at it all Excellent. coming together. also, this art was done by artist Neil Adams, who uh, recently passed away really good um really good green lantern green arrow artist, really good Batman artist. He will be missed uh after this, uh Jessica goes to the park, meets up with Teddy and um and Billy and <laughs> we see we see Hulkling's origin and man is it so awkward? He confesses he has like a crush on some guy. At his school, confesses that he's a shapeshifter, and this guy just f- fucking takes him for a ride. Immediately after, he uses him to do a whole bunch of con jobs, and it's incredibly awkward. He pretends to be Johnny Storm to get chicks, pretends to be Hulk to scare people away, pretends to be uh, Tony Stark just to get uh, you know an invite to the high life, good good VIP shit. Uses that to sneak into Avengers Mansion, and then tries to steal leftover paraphernalia and decorations from avengers mansion to sell because this guy is a heartless piece of shit and then he threatens to uh sorry then our boy hulkling threatens to beat the shit out of him if he doesn't and then that's when he like learns from for himself kind of a weak story i wish they had developed it a bit more i agree it was a, a little shallow
1: yeah i mean i can see where they were going with it but i think um compared to everybody else's in the this specific book i think his was the the weakest um just yeah I, I i would agree with the the statement of it being shallow
0: next up we've got billy uh billy who has been bullied is like walking past uh, avengers mansion sits down on a bench and then he bumps into scarlet witch <sighs> and he says god i wish i was a mutant so i could have powers and she's like no you don't believe me you do not wish you were a mutant <laughs> and so she tells him to stand up to his bully and uh he doesn't he doesn't stand up to his bully he changes his schedule he changes his entire life to avoid his bully but then when he sees the bully uh picking on someone else he decides to stand up and and do the right thing and be a hero um i think that one's a little bit stronger than than Teddy's story i think what really sells it is the art that is uh Jay Lee Art yes and that dude yeah. is really good especially like more horror stuff anytime like anything is black in a Jay Lee comic it just it looks the
1: best the color black could ever look in a comic book and this this does set up some future stuff plot wise but I think it's a little too convenient I think it's kind of like oh okay how did that how did that happen like how did that- how did those two people meet? <laughs> yeah, man, I was talking about it with a uh, Robert who was on
0: the last episode of Shortbox. Yeah, we were talking about Winter Soldier. I'm like, aren't these flashbacks just like a little too convenient? Like anytime, yeah. like anytime Cap remembers like a moment with Bucky, it's like, oh, that's like a perfect moment to really thematically capture the stress and whatever
1: that Cap is going through right now. That's that's convenient, right? Just to clarify, by the way, because I, I I think I. Am recalling this correctly, but this is after House of M, correct? Yeah. Okay, just confirming because I was like, "Where, where are we at timeline wise with with uh, Scarlet Witch?" and that that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Just it's, confirming. It's... Well, this
0: is before Avengers disassembled. Sorry, the uh, the story is taking place before Avengers Disassembled because she's still like at the mansion. Right, right but but the, the comic itself came out yes. after House right. of Them, Yeah.
1: Correct. Yeah, that, that's where I was getting kinda lost. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Next up we uh we see Kate Bishop, we see her trying on uh wedding dresses with her sister and bridesmaid dresses, which is like where we met her back in issue one or two of this series, uh at a wedding at Saint Patrick's Cathedral, I think. And uh, we learned a little bit more about Kate here. We learned she is like super altruistic. She's very much like her mother who has passed away, but she went all over the world doing her best to improve the lives of other people. And um, Kate was incredibly sweet until she was walking the park one day and it looks like she was assaulted and no idea if it's sexual assault or, or physical assault or, or what. Uh, but either way, something changed in her that day. She became sort of, very very defensive she became very very proactive and she became very very protective and pretty fucking good at fighting it looks like cuz we see her kicking ass at like a kickboxing gym and we see her shooting arrows and yeah that was sort of the origin of of uh Kate Bishop's hawkeye and um Jessica Jones shares like a really intimate story and she's just like oh yeah that actually sounds like what happened to me and then she, Kate's like that's why you became a superhero and Jessica was, no that's why I stopped and it's like, Oh shit. No. Oh, that, like that, that moment really got me
1: right. Yeah. Kate's Kate's backstory is always interesting to me. Um, you know, she felt like she needed to defend herself and, and not, you know, she, she wanted to stand up to people that were not good people. And, mm-hmm. um, just a kind of a very personal story that I feel like you don't see too often with, with, uh, you know, the, the hero types and, you know, they're usually more of the let's save others. But hers was more so, hey, this happened to me and I don't want it to happen again type scenario, which is interesting and different. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's actually that's a that's a really good point. I like that a lot. God, there's also hold on. there There's one really good exchange. Uh, so Kate is talking to, to Jessica. So when your daughter finds out she's got powers and she wants to be just like her mom and dad, what are you going to tell her? I'm going to tell her no way. But if she's anything like me, she'll do it anyway. And if she's anything like you, I'll consider myself lucky. It's
1: just a sweet yeah, moment. That's a great, great moment.
0: Uh after this, Jess goes and talks to Elijah, and we learn why he started taking uh mutant growth hormone. And it's because everyone was making fun of his grandpa, and like no one believed that he had this like amazing history as the the first Captain America. And he felt ashamed about that. And so he wanted just to like defend himself, defend his his grandpa, defend his family, defend his name. And so he bumps into some people who offer a chance to become you know more than human. And so they, they start selling him drugs. And uh, then finally one day he sees uh, his grandpa. He sees Isaiah Bradley uh, be a superhero basically. And then I think that was sort of like, Oh shit, like this is something to live up to. And that's why he, he continues to do the, the mutant growth hormone. And, uh, yeah. This powerful. Was one of the stronger ones. Yeah. Powerful story. Do you remember yeah, being like, like embarrassed by your parents and family and just like the shit you would do to not feel that yeah. way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it definitely hits home and I I'm sure it hits home for most people. I think they've all kind of got their, their, um, thoughts on, on stuff of that sort. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really well written this this specific portion because I wasn't really expecting you know him as a character to to be bullied and, and kind of uh you know verbally assaulted i guess for lack of a better word uh mm-hmm. you know his grandfather but um they set it up really well and and they kind of show that you know this guy may be a, a a super soldier but he's been through a lot and and uh you know bad people out there are 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 tearing him up still because of the things he's been through and the way he acts because of the things he's been through. And it's just very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah.
0: Uh, I agree. And as, as interesting as um, that was, I, I think the last page is like probably the most interesting. So basically the kids all agree to be interviewed by cat Farrell, except for Elijah, who just kind of wants to be left alone at this point. Um, but then we get a little glimpse in the last panel of uh, Kang. Kang. Who's watching the Young Avengers very, very diligently, and so that is an impressive and fun hint of things to come. Whew. Ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, so did you did you like this format? You a fan of just like the random special? Because
1: I know you would never read it before. Yeah. So i I had read everything else, but this was the first time I had read this specific issue was for this podcast. But I liked it. Um, it was different. I enjoyed it ov- overall. I thought that um, you know, as a whole, did it need to be there? Not necessarily, but I think it does. I, I think it does add something to the the overall story and and you know it gives the characters a little more backstory for you to kind of believe in. But um, it was a little hard for me to read. I'm probably like slightly ADD or something. I don't know, but like when you go from <laughs> character to character to character. It was a little hard for me to keep up, but I think overall I, I I liked it.
0: Awesome. Are you ready to move on to issue 10? Let's do it. All right. Issue 10 came out February 8th, 2006. Same creative team is the last issue. Alan Heimberg and uh, Jim Chung. While playing chess with Jarvis, the vision wonders when he'll be made part of the team officially, but understands given his connection to Kang the Conqueror and Ultron, that trust is a tall order. The young Avengers show up desperate for help, but Jarvis bursts their bubble when he tells them the Avengers are away on a mission and can't be reached. That's when Vision suggests finding more young Avengers, using the failsafe program that got them all together in the first place way back in issue one. Cassie and Vision have an awkward moment when she comments how much he looks like Iron Lad and sounds like him, but isn't him. Remember, Vision is made from neurokinetic metals that are based on Iron Lad, a.k.a. young Kang the Conqueror's brainwaves. And he ultimately uh, changes his appearance <clears throat> to make Cass more comfortable. The five young Avengers head towards a speedster in New Jersey who can destabilize atomic matter, but the dude is in jail for accidentally vaporizing his school. Vision and Billy sneak in with a microscopic Cass and leave Kate and Eli outside. After shorting out the speedster cell, it explodes, and we meet Tommy, a kid who looks identical to Billy. He shares that he's been probed and experimented on for months and is eager to deliver a little payback to the guards and mandroids that just showed up to stop his escape. Eli acts like team leader and gives Tommy a choice, saying they came here for a superhero, not a terrorist, and asks Tommy who he wants to be. Hidden at some farmhouse upstate, the Super Skrull tries to make contact with the Skrull Empire, saying he's found the Emperor's heir, Dork the Eighth, and explains that the Skrull Empress, Teddy's mother, gave birth in secret, and once the Empire learned who the father was, sentenced the child to die. It was the Empress's nurse, the woman pretending to be Teddy's mother, who hid him on Earth. Teddy is starting to believe the story when the young Avengers show up and shut down the Super Skrull, He pleads with Teddy, saying that since his mother died when Galactus consumed the Skrull Throne world, his people need him. He's about to reveal who Teddy's father is when a platoon of Kree special forces show up and shoot the Super Skrull, saying that Teddy is actually a Kree and he will be going back with them. Woo!
1: Woo! Yeah, this is an issue, man. There's so much to unpack. So much happens in this issue. Um... What were you gonna say george
0: uh, i was gonna say first things first uh what do we think about a speedster does every superhero team need a
1: speedster yes um especially a speedster that vaporized his school um yeah count me in <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: this guy seems like such a douchebag but um sorry tommy tommy seems like such a douchebag but I don't know he really wins me over and he's like yeah they've been probing experimenting experimenting on me for months I'm like yeah fuck it fuck this place
1: burn it down yeah he he's like the guy that's like you know kind of like the Punisher type that he's he's like slightly good but he's also kind of crazy at the same time and and I, I love that about his character um, I will say I know this was like 2005 but the frequency of the word terrorist was kind of shocking to me after re- rereading this Oh really? Like it comes up okay. several times. Yeah. But, um, just, just interesting stuff. I, I like Tommy's character though. And I like his in, in, introduction. I did
0: too. And I actually, I really didn't like the character at first. I thought the character was such a cop out, but like, man, does his character make sense in the next issue? And, um, yeah. I've grown since to really like Tommy as, as, as yeah. a, as a character in the Marvel
1: universe. And then the stuff with Teddy, you know, where they talk about his his uh, kind of heir to the throne. Um, just some fascinating stuff there, too. You know, you get the, again, that slow drip of, and they kind of reference it at the end of the previous issue, not the special, but the, I guess it was issue nine. Um, they kind of reference, you know, his mom says something, or mom, quote unquote, says something like, you know, I, I promise to protect him or whatever. I forget what what she says, but they allude to him being royal of of some sort. And so for them to just go on, you know, full force with that, it's it's mm-hmm. just wonderful. I, I love the slow trip with his his origins.
0: It's also really cool because there weren't a whole lot of like cosmic comic books coming out around this time. Like I think the Silver Surfer series had just ended. There was a Drax the Destroyer miniseries. They were gearing up to do something really big. They're about to do a story called Annihilation which is like one of my favorite comic book events of all time. Like I think that story is borderline perfect, but it was really cool seeing a cosmic influence on earth because that was kind of lacking for the next couple of years. Like you don't really see a lot of crazy sci-fi shenanigans happening on earth specifically. It's always happening super far away on the other side of the galaxy. And like Captain America doesn't see uh an alien for years you know like iron man hasn't seen an alien for years none of these people see or even like think about galactus like and so it's just it makes the universe feel bigger i think to like have the scroll and the kree appear in like a earthbound story with these characters and um god i just i love the alien races in in marvel i just think they're so interesting and so weird
1: yeah and i know I know it's been going a while, but the whole, the Kree scroll war, like the, anytime they can bring that in, in a well-written manner, especially like they do in this, this series, um, I'm all in on that. Like I'm, I'm always for some kind of galactic overall, like big, big enemy type situation where there's just overall, you know, societal issues with other, other races. I think it's, it's fascinating. Um, when you kind of throw that into the, the Marvel sphere, so was very very happy to see the 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 Cree and Scrolls both show up. <laughs> hey man, I hear you. I love me a space opera. There there are so yep. few
0: things I like more than just like some big yep. epic galaxy spanning adventure um that's said do you check out Annihilation we're going to cover it on the podcast at some point yeah but, I just um, looked
1: it up after that's what I was looking up on my second screen after you brought it up because I was like I've heard of this but I I have not read it so there um, it's I, it's so well organized
0: I could cry like it starts with a prologue yeah. a single issue prologue and then there's four mini series four four issue mini series one about Ronan one about Silver Surfer one about Super Scroll, and I think wow. one about Nova and then that leads into a six-issue miniseries called Annihilation. And it's just, it's
1: so epic. It's, it's, it's so badass. Nova is awesome. It's probably a good time to read it, too, because if I'm not mistaken, um, Annihilus, I think, is going to be in the Marvels, is my understanding. So I think Oh, man, if that is the case, then, yeah, you're going to want to read that story because it is yeah.
0: epic as hell. Yeah. Nice. <sighs> All right issue 11 april 5th 2006 the kree soldiers tell teddy that his father was captain Marvel, the original captain marvel who ended up giving carol danvers her powers not wanting to go with the kree soldiers a fight breaks out teddy saves the clinging to life super scroll they take out the kree soldiers and use their warship to escape but they're not sure where to go they're now afraid the avengers will turn teddy over to one of the alien races claiming him and all this plays out with some awkward romantic tension between Elijah, Tommy, and Kate. It yeah. was good. <laughs> it was good, right? Like, it not too like horny, it. a little yeah. horny, like horny enough. And it was right. It was nice seeing characters care about each just other enough. and like want to put their face on other people's faces. I don't really get a lot of that in the MCU these days.
1: So, right, right. No, I agree. It was it was just enough, just yeah. enough. It wasn't overstepping. I felt like.
0: The Super Skrull tells Billy and Teddy it's ironic that years ago Marvel and the Scarlet Witch were his prisoners during the first Kree Skrull War on Earth, and now he owes his lives to both of their sons. And this is a huge bomb. It turns out those twin boys that Wanda manifested years ago, they were made from two wayward souls, which were reclaimed by Mephisto, basically the Marvel Universe's version of the devil. But the two souls overpowered Mephisto, destroying him and freeing themselves, becoming able to latch on to new bodies like Billy and Tommy. Losing those boys is what prompted Wanda's meltdown and Avengers Disassembled, a story we covered, like, uh, like I mentioned a thousand times, on the first episode of this podcast. Uh, it's a circle. It's a circle. And it gets even weirder because the dad is the Vision, who's starting to fritz because their ship is now being attacked by a Skrull armada. Teddy flies out to deter them, but he's met by warring factions of Skrull and Kree. An all-out war is breaking out in the New York City skyline. Teddy thinks he's managed to stop the fighting by ordering them to stand down, but actually, the Avengers just showed up. Trying to broker peace and prevent a war, the three factions meet on the roof of Avengers Tower. When things go south, the Kree try to shoot Captain America, but Elijah courageously steps in the way, with uh, the shot completely passing through his shield. He lays bleeding as all-out war erupts. So this this issue might be what taught me what the word penultimate meant, and I'm glad yes. because now I can say things like, what a fucking penultimate issue that was of
1: this series. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. And I love, again, I love the reveal of, of Billy and Tommy, who they actually are. And the moment, for some reason, this always, like, I don't know. I I love that specific panel where Vision's looking up to see who the dad is and then you know the ship gets shot or whatever by the the scrolls and you just see Vision like melting down and I love to imagine that that's partially because of the reveal of him being his dad their dad quote unquote mm-hmm. but then also because of the scroll situation it's it's such a well done moment and well well timed certainly Also
0: it's, it's just so messy. I love it. Like it feels like such good teenage drama, right? Like, okay, we got vision who is the father of Billy and Tommy over there, but he's also got the brainwaves of iron lad who Cassie is kind of in love with and constantly flirting with. Like, it's just, it's, it's such, such dumb bullshit
1: drama that I can't get enough of. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, um, and you're right, it is it is a fantastic penultimate episode. It really um ups the ante, I guess, for lack of a better word. Kind of gets gets the ball going full speed ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the the full on war on earth, which is impressive. <laughs> Did you
0: read Young Avengers before you saw WandaVision?
1: Um no, I wish I had. I wish I had. Okay. Because uh, I, I did read really, House of M before WandaVision, but I did not okay. read Young Avengers until after.
0: Okay, I think that like this reveal. Granted, it had only been like two years after uh, Avengers disassembled when like a like when Wanda had like her, her real breakdown about losing her kids. Um this felt like one of the most like important revelations in modern comics to me <laughs> like as a let's see this came out what June 28th 2006 um yeah i was 15 about to turn 16 and just like finding out that like that's who uh billy was was like the scarlet witch's son like that blew my mind and they did such a good job with like the costume being like a misdirect right like the same thing with like hulkling it's like oh well they're really telling me like he wants to be like, he's part of the Hulk family. So like, why would I not believe them? And then just the fact that he looks like uh, someone from Asgard and he's even called the Asgardian. Um, just incredible, incredible misdirects that really got me. And then finding this out, like it felt like such an incredible, Holy shit moment.
1: Yeah. And they, you know, I, I was always curious who he was, but then you get to, uh to speed and you bring him into the mix. And then suddenly they're like, okay, he looks just like him. Mm -hmm. Like, so clearly they were, they were already setting up some big stuff and, and yeah, the, the reveal is, is really good. I, I wish I hadn't been spoiled on it prior, but, um, it's, it's really well done. And you're right. It is a a big moment. I mean, I can't think again, you're more of a comic reader than I am, but I can't really think of a time something like this has really happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like Winter Soldier being Bucky is like close. It's also yeah. recency bias because we just did that episode. Right. Um that'd be fun. I might do like a, a an episode that's just top five oh shit moments. Yeah. You think Arkham Knight being <laughs>
1: being the red hood, is that a is that an oh shit moment? <laughs> um
0: Yeah, I think finding out that was a good game was a bigger ocean moment, but yeah.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: (sighs) Young (laughs) Avengers 12, June 28th, 2006. Written by Alan Heimberg with art by Jim Chung. With Elijah bleeding to death, Cap quickly orders Sentry to take him to the hospital. It seems like the Avengers and Young Avengers have the situation under control when Kree and Skrull capital ships enter the Earth's atmosphere. The two Avengers teams work together. Spider-Man and Cassie bond over both being science geeks, and Spider-Woman actually refers to Kate as Hawkeye, saying she's more than earned the name at this point. Tommy and Wolverine bond over their shared love of violence, and Billy confides in Cap that he and Tommy are the souls of the Scarlet Witch's magically summoned twins. Iron Man lectures Vision, who then decides to forego joining the Avengers so he can be a member of the Young Avengers instead and says there isn't a thing he can do to stop him. Teddy gets hauled off by a group of flying Kree and Skrull soldiers being, uh, well, shooting at them, figuring they'd rather kill Teddy uh, than let him join the Kree. And the only person advocating for him is the Super Skrull, who goes after Teddy himself. The Super Skrull frees Teddy and tells him that if he wants the war on Earth to end, he has to join the Skrulls. Teddy surrenders ending the skirmish it's decided that teddy will spend six months with each race and then ultimately decide who he wants to be teddy leaves along with both the Scroll and the kree when wolverine uses that amazing nose of his to reveal that the super skrull who remained behind was teddy in disguise they swap places making super skrull a super spy going back with his people Everyone immediately rushes to the hospital to see Elijah, who lost so much blood that he required a blood transfusion from none other than his grandpa Isaiah, the original super so- the original super soldier, and retroactively making his fake origin story completely true in the process. Cap talks to the young Avengers, still standing, and says he hopes that they'll officially disband this time when Kate speaks for the team. Sir, with all due respect, the minute Eli is back on his feet, he'll be chasing down bad guys, powers or no powers. That's just who he is. It's who we all are, the same as you. And I know you and Iron Man don't approve of uh, this, but I can't help but thinking, if you guys had supported us, uh, if you had taken the time to train us, maybe Eli wouldn't be in surgery right now. Maybe Billy's parents would still have a place to live and Teddy's mother would still be alive. That's how it feels anyway. So if you really want to protect us, you'll accept us.
1: Such a good moment.
0: At Avengers Mansion, the kids are using magic and science to rebuild statues for the fallen Avengers. Captain Marvel, Scott Lang, Mockingbird, Druid, all forgotten heroes finally getting their flowers. Kate confirms that Eli's procedure did end up giving him powers and that Tommy turned down the offer to join the team. Jessica Jones is there and gives Kate Hawkeye's old bow, Quiver, and a note, uh, giving his blessing for her to use the name Hawkeye. Kate looks shocked, but Jessica says, quote, look, even without the bows and arrows, the only Avenger who ever stood up to Captain America the way you did was Hawkeye. Crying, Billy and Teddy release the ashes of Teddy's surrogate mother into the wind at Avengers Mansion, where she belongs as a hero. They decide their next mission needs to be finding the Scarlet Witch so Billy can explain that uh, he's still alive. And so Cassie can make her answer for her father's death. A loud boom goes off and it's Tommy filling them in on a hostage situation at the UN and officially joining the team. Now complete the young Avengers set out with their elders blessing in a renewed
1: sense of spirit
0: and excitement. Holy shit. What an ending.
1: Yes. Uh, There's again, it's another, just like the penultimate issue. There's so much crammed into this and Mm -hmm. it's all very well done. I love the, the um, quote from, from Kate where she's talking about, you know, if you guys had actually helped us, maybe things would have turned out better. And oh, incredible. Yeah. It makes me think too. I think it was issue seven at the start when it's like Spider-Man and Luke Cage, and they're all sitting around talking about the young Avengers. Peter says something like, um, they talk they're talking about their ages. And Peter says something about, well, I was a hero when I was 16. And like, look mm. at what I did. And so there's some some really interesting um comments about that but yeah her 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 whole monologue is wonderful and um trying to think what else really stuck out from this issue for me the Are the you? setup for children's crusade is interesting cuz that didn't come out until way later right this was like 2006 um, yeah so
0: this ended 2006 and then children's crusade i think was 2009 yeah so it took a minute. And so speaking of holy shit moments, when children's crusade was announced with the original creative team of young Avengers, that was yeah. another holy shit moment for me. I couldn't yeah. believe that they were actually telling the story again. And I, I really like children's crusade. I don't think it's, I, do too. I don't think it's as good as like these first 13 issues, you yeah, know, including the special, I think it starts off really strong, but the ending kind of tapers.
1: Yeah. Um. Are you, are you a crier? Do you cry easily? Do you cry often? Yeah, usually more so like with TV shows and stuff, though, and not as much with with books. Okay. Every now and then, every now and then.
0: Um, yeah, I, this this issue got me twice. This issue got me with uh, both the quotes I pulled, which is why I pulled them. Uh, yeah. But like, man, her just standing up to Cap like that, incredible shit. Especially because spoilers: Civil War is on the horizon, and I'm not going to tell you who the Young Avengers side with. Yeah but uh, I think you can guess who they side with uh, that moment. And then like her finally getting like the approval from, from cap and the, the new Avengers to become, uh, to become Hawkeye. <sighs> so good. Uh, there's actually more young Avengers stories, which I think we might cover at some point on this podcast. It's called the young Avengers presents. It was a five issue miniseries, each issue focusing on a different member of the team and uh actually written by different people with art by different artists so like it wasn't the original creative team working on it's so, like uh ed brubaker the guy who was writing the captain america book at the time actually did the issue about the patriot and there's one issue of all about kate bishop that uh i cannot recommend enough so if you get bored uh check out young yes. avengers presents. if you want more young avengers content check that out because i don't know if we're gonna be covering them for 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 a minute here (laughs) we're gearing up for house of m it is it is right on the precipice i'm just trying to decide what else i want to cover before before we let that genie out of
1: that bottle you know right yeah once you get past there everything changes yeah sure does (laughs) uh so overall overall impressions of this book now that we're at the end of it it's phenomenal um one of the best comics i've ever read one of the best runs i've ever read uh it's, it's different and that's why I love it so much. You know, we talk so much about Captain America and Iron Man and, you know, even fantastic for X-Men, all these kind of iconic characters or, or, you know, archetypes of characters, but now this whole run, it sets up new, new, new stories, new, new characters, new villains in a way. Um, and it just, it works so well. And that's why I love it personally. It's just, it's different. It's new. It doesn't feel like the same to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of my all-time favorites for sure. I agree. It was really, really
0: cool it was really cool reading this as the book was coming out because they were my age. Right. And now I am twice as old as I was when I first read it. So honestly, I kind of feel like Kang at this point, as stupid as that sounds like, uh, from the first arc in particular, just being like, Oh, you kids, like everything you thought was so important. And just like seeing like how like the entire Marvel universe has progressed. So like, it is kind of interesting that this book inherently makes you a villain, the older you get, uh, going back to read it. But uh, I agree. I love this book. I think it's such a perfect, like, one to twelve issues, right? Like, there's like you said, there's no fat to trim. There's no, no issue you should skip, yeah, and it's no like down the, issue. Yeah, there's it's the closest thing to like a perfect game that there is. You know, like nine straight right. innings of no hits, and like here here we go, we got twelve straight issues of no misses. Um, God, incredible stuff.
1: Yeah, I feel, bad. I feel least... like I
0: can't be can't be critical. I'm like, no, it's too good. I know
1: well, there's really <laughs> nothing I have to complain about, frankly. I'm I'm trying to think if there are really any issues aside from maybe Mr. Hyde or whatever, but even that's <laughs> only a, a brief moment in time for this mm-hmm. series. So I really I really don't have any negative, which is saying something. I don't know if you do, but I, I really have nothing bad to say about this run at all. No,
0: and we talked about it a little bit on uh, on a recent episode of Frameskip, but just, like, the, the vibes you get from Ghostbusters Afterlife where, like, it was fun to just, like, go on, like, a weird adventure where it was, like, a little dangerous but not deadly. You know, like, just right. the thing you, like, right. want as, like, a kid. And, like, this book very much feels like that. Like, it's it's scratching a lot of the same itches as, like, just something weird and quirky and dangerous but fun,
1: you know? Yeah, And there are those climax moments, you know, you've got Kang in the first six issues and, and the way that that kind of wraps up where, you know, Iron Lad is considering not going back and you, you see the world kind of falling apart. And then even in this one, you've got a, a war unfolding in the middle of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've got those high tension moments, but the way it builds up to, to both of those, it, it's, it's very well done. And, and you really start small scale and work your way up and i think that's why the, the the plot just works extraordinarily well for me
0: i could have used I mean, now that we're talking about it i could have maybe used a little bit more time with like the kree's scroll war stuff like that yeah felt like i would have resolved a little quickly for how big and important it was but also like if you're trying to tell like a more realistic story than like two intergalactic empires Waging war on Earth. It's like, okay, well, Earth would be fucked in 30 seconds and the planet would just explode. So, like, maybe they do have to knit this one in the bud pretty quickly. But I don't know if they could have been like wanted heroes or whatever and had like, you know, even villains were like going after like a bounty or something like on these young Avengers to like help avert a war or something like just so, like, a little bit more padding just to spend more time there. Cause I feel like they barely even got to sort of decompress with the information of Billy and Tommy. But then again, that is what. A majority of the children's crusade will be about so i guess yeah. it makes sense
1: yep and that really kind of clears up their backstory too mm-hmm. so i i uh i do love children's crusade and it is a good follow-up yeah it really is
0: well awesome that's about all i got my guy same Okay. That kind of um, finishes up my thoughts. <laughs> perfect. 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 You can find Austin on Twitter at AustinJL or you could also find him at Frameskip Pod, where we record a video game podcast together on a mostly weekly basis, much like this comic right podcast. That's right. So if you liked hearing this, you'll love us talking about Xenoblade Chronicles, which is what I'm gonna yes. talk about a lot on this next episode. Yes. Let's do it can't wait austin thank you so much for being here uh i will keep you in mind for stories uh coming up that i think you'd enjoy cool sounds good
1: throw me in some fantastic (laughs) four content oh man i would love i would love to see some fantastic (laughs) four content all right well austin thank
0: you so much for being here and uh we'll be in your ear holes very very soon look for us next week right where you found this podcast please share please like please subscribe please do all that stuff to help make the podcast grow that'd be most appreciated i am a little under the weather as you can tell from this recording so i'm gonna go take a nap and drink a lot of water when i wake up tomorrow love you austin have a good night all right